Welcome to the Candid Comms Podcast. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you thrive in internal communication, you're in the right place. I'm your host, international communication consultant, trainer and mentor, Rachel Miller. Through this podcast, I'll share my experience with you so you can increase your skills, knowledge and confidence on all things internal communication related. Hi, it's Rachel. Welcome to this week's show. In today's episode, you and I are focused in on how to communicate change and you will leave with one thing to know, one thing to do and one thing to think about. Are you ready? Let's get started. I wonder why you chose to listen to this episode. Is it because you have change coming up in your organisation and you want to know how to get organised? Or perhaps you've been communicating change for years in your career as an internal communicator, but you want to listen and discover who's doing what and maybe get some ideas to help you communicate change. Or maybe you have never communicated change. You're not quite sure how to do it and how to start. Whatever your situation is, you are incredibly welcome here. Let's get started. The first thing we're going to look at today is what you need to know about change communication. And I'm going to encourage you to write down the answer to this. When I say the word change, what does it make you think of? When I run my face-to-face masterclasses, I do this exercise where I encourage the internal communicators in the room to grab a notepad, get a pen and write down change is dot 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 and then write that answer. And I'd love you to do this too, whether you're out and about, walking the dog, having a bath, having a run, whatever you're doing, come back to this exercise. I want to encourage you to do this. So when I say change is, how do you describe it in a sentence? What do you say? Now think about your organization and think about your employees. When they hear change is coming, What do they say? What would they write down on that notepad? And maybe now think about your leaders. How do your leaders view change? Now, the reason I think this is important is because when we are communicating change in our organisations, we have to be aware of what the perception is. And I observe change is perceived as loss. I wonder if that's the same for your organisation. Would your employees hear that change is coming and immediately go into a negative mindset and think there's a loss coming, whether that's a loss of jobs, a loss of status, a loss of a product or service? Or when we think about change, do they think positive? Do they think, oh, we're going to have a new bike to work scheme or a new benefit or there's a new product and service that's going to be brilliant for our organisation? I remember mapping out the different types of change a few years back because I don't think we have consistency in approach in language. So when we hear the word change, where does our brain go to? Where do our minds go to? Is it that we perceive change as a loss? Now I mapped out all the different types of changes I could think of. I got to 27 different types of change and it was just a huge list. 
but I grouped them into change of ownership, for example. So within an organisation, change could be a change of ownership. So becoming a listed company, a change of stakeholders or shareholders, or maybe a merger or an acquisition. Change could refer to our leadership. We might have a new CEO or senior leaders or owner of an organisation Or maybe even our CEO has died and therefore there's a change in leadership that's coming. Or maybe the change is something physical. So it might be a change of location, the place where our employees work. Or maybe we have new premises or we're closing offices or opening new sites. Or maybe the changes around our products and services. Maybe that's new technology or a new intranet or an enterprise social network or a new app for our employees on the front line to use. Or maybe the change is people related. That could be redundancies, restructures, bringing on new teams, particularly if you've got a merger and acquisition, and so much more. That list is endless for organisations. Something I think we need to know is the perception of change. And the reason being, because we don't have consistency of language in the world of internal comms, When we say change, you need to understand what your employees are hearing. There's a phrase that we use a lot in internal comms. It's not what you say, it's what people hear. When you say change, what do they hear? Where do their minds go? I'd love to know the answers to your change is. Do feel free to tweet me at all things I see. Show those postcards to me or notepads to me. I'd love to see what you've written. The reason I think that's important is because For us, we need to understand how we see change. So is it, if someone says to you, a leader says to you, hey, change is coming, what's your instant reaction? Is your instant reaction brilliant, pushing up your sleeves, getting stuck in? Or is it, oh my goodness, I don't know how we can resource this. We are stretched already. And change communication typically requires really careful thought and attention. I spent 10 years working in-house and I oversaw various change initiatives and campaigns from new leaders to physical office moves to products and services to mergers and acquisitions. I mean, you never get bored. In the world of internal comms, there's always change to communicate. So I'm curious what you do within your organisation. Have you been involved in communicating change? And actually, when I was reading through that list, did you realise at the time that actually what you were doing was change communication? Knowing the perception of change puts us on the front foot. We normally ask these sorts of questions in employee surveys. Have a look back. If you've done an employee survey in your organisation, look at the answers that you've gathered from your employees. I usually find that looking through the feedback and the comments from employees gives me a really clear understanding in terms of how is change seen. More often than not, people feel like change is done to them rather than for them and with them. That's really important to know. Imagine you had a group of employees together with you right now, maybe five or ten people on a call or in a room with you. And you sat down with them and you did that change is exercise and you asked them, what does change mean to you? Change is dot, dot, dot. What answers would you get back? Would it be change is really exciting? I love change. Change is innovation or progression. Or would you get change is stressful? 
Change is constant. Change is crushing. What would you get back? I think to plan change communication successfully, we need to gather our insight, gather our evidence in terms of what's the rhythm and the life cycle of the organisation when it comes to change. I ask this as a comms consultant now, I've been working as a comms consultant since 2013. And when I'm advising my clients, and particularly if we're thinking about change, I say, what do your employees think of change? What evidence do you have that helps you understand the way that change is perceived? Because I want to know. Sometimes there's some really tactical things we can do and tangible things we can do like, and I'm curious to know whether this resonates with you. Do let me know. Do you have a leader who is really good at sharing difficult news? When I said that, did a leader immediately spring to mind for you? I bet they probably did. Because I find we overuse our leaders. Matt and I talked about this a few episodes back, Matt Batten, when we were talking about being candid and working well and successfully with leaders. And he was sharing how, in his case, in the Church of Wales, he works with the bishop. And we were talking about the need to be mindful of when you use leaders nicely, when you use leaders If you have somebody in your organisation who is known as the go-to person to have those difficult, empathetic conversations, normally around job losses, we need to know that because when they stand up in a town hall, virtually or in person, do people immediately think that person's here to communicate bad news? You need to know that. You need to be aware of what are the unintentional things that are being communicated when we pull on that particular leader at a time when they're not doing the difficult news. We should be able to equip all of our leaders to have those difficult conversations. Everybody needs to present a united front, particularly if you're doing difficult changes like job losses or restructures or redundancies. It shouldn't just be linked down to, oh, that's so-and-so's plan. No, no, it's not ever one leader's plan. It's the organisational design. It's the business plan. So knowing the perception of change is something that I encourage you to do and keep checking for understanding. You might know what the perception was last time you had a merger and acquisition or last time you had a new leader in place. But what about today? How do your employees feel today? This is where having people like comms champions or change agents or... I mean, all sorts of people, eyes and ears groups, focus groups, editorial boards is really helpful. I believe it's our business to know our business as professional communicators. And that includes knowing the people working inside our organisation. So if you don't know the answer to what change is and how it's perceived, have a conversation with those people. Again, be aware of unintended communication, where if you start asking people about change, it might start to worry them. So this is where having a group of people who you normally test ideas with, trusted friends internally that you normally test ideas with, can be really, really beneficial. The second thing for us to think about today is what to do when you're communicating change. And I'm going to share something with you, and this will be in the show notes at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast. I create a document called my known knowns and my known unknowns. If you've ever heard me present on stage and talk about change, chances are you've heard me talk about this. It's such a simple concept, but it is so effective. Let me describe it to you. So imagine you have a notepad or you have a blank document in front of you and you know 
that change is coming. You've been given a warning by a stakeholder or by your manager and you need to get organised. I like to write down what are my known knowns and what are my known unknowns. So my known knowns might be something like we are opening a new office building, for example, and I might know it's happening in quarter two of the next year. My known unknowns are exactly who's moving there, what the building looks like, how decisions will be made in terms of who gets to move there, all the detail. Now imagine your employees discover that there's a move afoot, changes afoot, and a new office building is on the horizon. Guess what they're going to be asking? They are going to be asking all the things that are on your known unknowns list the detail and it's the what's in it for me, what do I need to be aware of stuff. So I find when I'm communicating change and I'm receiving a brief for the first time, so a brief is when somebody tells you something's happening and they give you, ideally, a heads up and I often think of this like a chunky paragraph at least, which is who, what, when, where, how, why, like what's going on, who's involved, what's happening, when is it happening, how is it happening, why is it happening, A brief should be the first conversation somebody has with you. So think about when people get in touch and say, you know, this change is happening. What we want to do then is write down, okay, so what are our known knowns? And I do this with stakeholders. I do this with leaders in terms of, right, let me just capture what we know already. What are we certain of? Because that's what we can communicate. But my known knowns, these are my facts. These are my figures. And I'm creating a source of truth. My known unknowns, this is a list that will just keep on growing. It's the detail. And my intention, as I'm sure you can guess, is to move everything from my known unknowns into my known knowns. Because when I have clarity around these are the facts, this is what's happening, this is who involved, this is why we're doing it, etc. Then I've got a really solid structure to start communicating. Sometimes I've used my known knowns and my known unknowns as a plan on a page to start with. I also use it to hold people to account. So in change comp situations, there's various models on change, and we'll talk more about models in a moment, but one of the models, the Cotter model, is about creating a guiding coalition. And I think about this as having a group, a group of decision makers. So this might be, so imagine our office move scenario, it would typically be, Legal, HR, IT, comms, facilities, everybody sitting around a table, the decision makers, or virtually sitting together to make decisions about all sorts of things related to this move. When you are brought in late to change, where conversations have already been happening and then comms are brought in last minute and we have to play catch up, I've sometimes found that those decision-making groups aren't in place and that is a nightmare comms friends when when you don't know who's responsible and you don't know who's signing off our known knowns the facts and figures because we need to be able to check we need to check that these facts and figures are correct so having that guiding coalition having that working group whatever you want to call them is super important so if you're brought into change late and you ask who are the decision makers Where can I go to make sure that what we're communicating is accurate? If that group's not in place, then you set it up. 
You don't have to ask for permission. If you need permission, I am giving it to you right now. It's so important for us that we have credible, accurate, reliable information that helps people understand what's going on and know how they're involved and therefore know what they need to do. So we need to make sure that we are being accountable up front to our employees and having accurate information. So I encourage you to do that. Think about a change that you've got coming up and I'm sure that you will have one or know this for future. When you hear that change is coming or you hear something's on the horizon, write down your known knowns and your known unknowns. And then you can use this to play it back to stakeholders in conversations. I've done that in working groups where I've said, I'm just going to play back what I've heard from today once we've had discussions and made decisions. And I will say, I think these are still the things that we don't know. And I will literally read out my known unknowns. And sometimes the reason this is helpful is because conversations could happen outside of those discussions that we might not have heard. And sometimes I find people say, oh, no, actually, we have decided that. And it's X, Y, Z. Brilliant. That's going to go across to my known knowns column. So I hope that's helpful. I'm curious if you've ever heard me talk about this and you've used this. I'd love to know how it's helped you or if this is brand new to you and you know that you've got change coming do that exercise and do get in touch and let me know how you get on how you find that we're going to be taking a short break and when we come back I will leave you with what you need to think about comms friends I have a special offer for you Because you are a listener of the Candid Comms podcast, you can save 10% off my range of online masterclasses. If you're just starting out, then how to be an internal communicator is the course for you. If you're about to start a new internal comms role, then my how to create a 90 day plan will support you in your first three months. Perhaps you're thinking about becoming a comms consultant. If so, my How to Be a Comms Consultant Exploration Masterclass is the one you need. All of the courses can be found at allthingsic.thinkific.com and simply use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout to save 10%. And I hope to see you inside one of those masterclasses very soon. Welcome back. In the final part of today's episode, which is focused on change, I'm going to leave you with some things to think about. I said there'll be one thing to think about, and that's change comms theory. In reality, there's a number of models that I'm going to walk you through. And all of this information can be found in the show notes at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast. I mentioned Cotter earlier when I talked about building a guiding coalition and how important that is that group of decision makers if you remember so Cotter's model is eight steps as a process for leading change and it starts with creating a sense of urgency and this is quite useful as a model to give you a process a logical walkthrough if you've never communicated change before and you're not quite sure what you need to do Cotter's a good person to refer to. So step one is creating a sense of urgency. Step two is building a guiding coalition or that group. Step three is forming a strategic vision and initiative. So what would the change look and feel like? What's the big aspirational goal that we're trying to achieve? Number four is enlisting a volunteer army. These could be your change comms champions, for example, or the trusted friends group that I talked about earlier. 
Number five is enabling action by removing barriers. And this could be all sorts. Sometimes it's as simple from a comms perspective as we don't have a mechanism to communicate with the right people. So we might need to work with our line managers really closely to help this change be a success. But a barrier is that we don't have a channel focused on them, for example. Step six is generating short-term wins. And I find this helpful if I'm doing long change, if I'm doing restructures or redundancies or behavioral change particularly, then having short-term wins is helpful to help guide people through. They can see and feel that change is happening. Step seven is about sustaining acceleration. So particularly if, again, if it's a long-term change, how do we get through this change? And I use things here like milestones or points in time where it's easy for people to understand that we are accelerating through change with sustaining acceleration. And the final part is institutionalizing change. That's making it stick. So that's Cotter's eight steps. My favourite change comms model, that's probably not a sentence I've said before, maybe it probably is actually. My favourite change comms model is the four Ps from William Bridges from 2009, from Managing Transitions, Making the Most of Change. The four Ps are super simple. I think it's the simplicity that I like because it feels really tangible. It's great to know change comms theory, but we don't want to blind each other with science here. We don't want to um, be whacking out models in front of our stakeholders. What we want to do is get organised. And what we want to do is have a logical process for our thoughts to make sure we don't miss anything. And I find the four Ps helps me do it. So they are purpose, picture, plan and part. So purpose is explaining why we're doing what we're doing. Why is the change happening? And I use these four Ps as a plan on the page. When I have a conversation with a stakeholder right up front, when I'm thinking about my known knowns and my known unknowns, what I'm doing is getting them to articulate these four Ps. So why are we doing what we're doing? Purpose. The second P is picture. Telling people what the change will look and feel like when we reach our goal. Now the office move we talked about earlier, let's just overlay this model with that concept. So The purpose is our lease is expiring on our existing building or we're downsizing or upsizing, whatever we're doing. Is upsizing a word? We'll go with that. So therefore, the purpose is we need to change from our current building that we're in. So that's why it's the purpose. The picture is telling people what the change will look and feel like. This is where things like architect's drawings are really helpful or schematics for the inside of a building. Sometimes this is quite conceptual. It might not be that we know exactly what the building will look like, particularly if it's not been built yet. So think about what can you help people to imagine. I've done this thinking that through as office moves slower through. I've done this where I've helped people choose the chairs. in an organisation where they can sit on the chairs and we say, these are what the chairs are going to be like in the office. Which one do you think? Try them out. You're helping people understand what the change will look and feel like when we reach our goal. The plan is how will we get from A to B? And this is where key milestones come in. This is timelines. People want to know a timeline and want to see progression. And then part is what do your people need to do to help make the change a reality and a success? Overlaying all of that for me is two-way communication because thinking back to what we said earlier, if our people feel like change is done to them, 
not for them and with them. We don't want that. So thinking about weaving through all of these four P's, two-way communication, we're checking for understanding, we're bringing people with us so they understand why the change is happening, what it looks and feels like, what the plan is and what they need to do to get involved. Do you see why I like it? It's really straightforward. I really like it. So that's the four P's. And then probably the most famous change comms model is the Kubler-Ross change curve, which was developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in the book On Death and Dying back in 1969. And she originally wrote it to map out the stages of grief. And there's various iterations that have come out over the past few decades, particularly. But at the core, it's about mapping a process. So you're looking at, imagine that you've got this, and this will be in the show notes, where you've got morale and competence up on the left-hand side going up vertically, and you've got time going across the bottom as an axis. And it's a curve where it literally goes up and down. I'm doing it with my hand. You can't see me. I'll be in the show notes so you can see what the shape looks like. And typically people go through these stages. So imagine in a grieving situation, particularly, you go through shock, denial, frustration, depression, decision, integration. So that's normally things like shock, we're surprised or shocked at an event is happening. Then we go into denial with this disbelief, looking for evidence that it's not true. And you hear things like that with the your employees saying, well, that can't possibly be true because so-and-so in IT told me this. Or how are we in such financial trouble? I thought we were doing okay. Our annual results looked good. We're looking for evidence that what we're hearing isn't true. Then we're into frustration where there's this real difficult period where there's a recognition things are different and this is where anchor often comes through as well for employees where they feel frustrated then at the very bottom of this change curve is depression where employees are in low mood and they're lacking in energy and this is where i observe we lose our great people in our organization who particularly if we're doing restructures and redundancies it might well be that they're not actually impacted their jobs aren't at risk but they don't like the change, they don't like the uncertainty, and we lose them. Then we start to make our way up out the other side of the dip, out of the curve, where we have decision and integration. So decision is learning how to work in the new situation. We're feeling more positive. And then integration, I sometimes call this a shiny new future, but it's not always appropriate, particularly if there's job losses. But it's where your changes are integrated. This is the instituting change bit that Cotter referred to in his model. So the integration bit is around the changes sticking and you have a renewed individual or organisation. So the change curve is useful to have an awareness of how people process change and how they go through the, sometimes you hear this as the cycle of change, as the change curve, the Kubler-Ross change curve. I like to overlay that with communication. So when my people are in shock or denial, I'm trying to create alignment. I'm trying to communicate my no-knowns. I'm trying to have visible leadership who are being very open and empathetic and listening. When people are getting into the frustration, I am maximising communication and I am maximising listening. I'm making my leaders really visible. I am amplifying employee voice. I'm encouraging two-way conversations and communication when we are down low into depression you need to start to spark motivation and I look for top tip for you when you're communicating change particularly if you're communicating multiple changes at the same time think about what is staying the same 
what is that? Is that the purpose of your organization? Is it your values? Is it your vision? Is it your leadership team? What stays the same? And I find that important to help guide people through. Then we're coming into decision where I'm developing capability. Imagine what it's like to have this leader or be in this location or do this thing. And then we're into the new feature where we're sharing knowledge. We've now institutionalized the change. This is what this situation, this office, this product, this service, our people, this is what it all looks and feels like and sounds like. And this is now the way we do things around here. So I hope that's helpful just to give you a a quick whiz through some change comms theory. You can use these models in the way that suits you. I find having them in my back pocket really helpful to reinforce my gut feel. When I first studied change communication theory back in 2008, I found it so helpful to help me have a process or a logical way of thinking about change that I could then work through with my stakeholders, which doesn't necessarily mean showing them the model. It's just me talking the purpose, picture, plan and part. I hope you found that really useful. Everything that I've covered today can be found in the show notes at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who is tuning into the show. I'm loving hearing your feedback. Thank you for getting in touch and telling me what you're doing differently as a result of listening to the Candid Comms podcast. I love hearing from you. You can find me on Twitter at allthingsic. You can find me on Instagram at rachelallthingsic. My website is allthingsic.com or look me up on LinkedIn under Rachel Miller. As ever, remember what happens inside is reflected outside. See you again soon.